This podcast is brought to you by J.P. Morgan Chase's Women on the Move program. Women on the Move is a global initiative designed to help women grow their businesses, improve their financial health, and build their careers. Women on the Move is a core part of J.P. Morgan Chase's mission to build diverse cultures. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the See It To Be It podcast. I'm your host, Melinda Garvey, founder of On The Dot, whose mission is to lead women to success through stories and actionable advice from role models. And the key is that these role models are relatable. They're women just like you and me who have been there, done that, and are willing to share their experience. And today is no exception. In fact, I'm very excited to introduce you to Elaine Agather, who is the chairman of the Dallas region for J.P. Morgan Chase & Company. And she also serves as the South and Midwest region head and managing director of J.P. Morgan Bank. Sounds like you got a few jobs there at J.P. Morgan, huh, Elaine? It, that's a long title, isn't it? I was just thinking, I need to cut that title down a little bit. <laughs> How are you, Melinda? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm thrilled to be here. Wonderful. Well, before we get kind of rolling on what you're doing today, I like to take everybody way back. When you were growing up, what was your big dream? What did you think you'd be doing when you grew up? Well, I grew up in Sherman, Texas, and I really thought, you know, I wanted to sort of be an actress. I thought that would be great. And, you know, go to New York. You had a lot of TV actresses on TV. So I thought maybe I'll, you know, be an actress. I was in some plays in high school. I can see that. (laughs) (laughs) It didn't work out. Sounds like things worked out for you. Tell us just a little bit about how you managed to get on your business career path. So I went to college at University of Oklahoma. You know, a lot of this is happenstance because I was first generation college. My father was eighth grade educated, bulldozer operator. My mother graduated from high school. So I wanted to go to college and they thought that was great. And then I had a cousin who said, I've heard of business school. You should go to business school. And I said, okay. So, you know, (laughs) sometimes you look back. I think today, so many young women are so much more thought out and thoughtful. But back then we were winging a lot of it. I said, well, I'll go to business school. And I went to UT business school. And of course, it really changed my trajectory because I learned a lot about business, I, about careers, about, you know, everything from accounting to, to uh, what a business was. I mean, and so that's when I said, well, I'd like to go to New York. I want to go work in New York when I graduated. And at that time, there were not any New York firms interviewing on the University of Texas campus, <laughs> if you can believe that. And so I just... My dad bought me a plane ticket, and I said, I'm going to go get a job in New York City. And it was not an actress job. It was actually a bank job. And <laughs> probably had to bank, act a little in that job at the beginning, right? Oh, definitely. <laughs> because, you know, I just signed up with whatever. And the last interview I had was a bank, chemical bank, which I'm still at that and all the mergers later, 40 years. And um, he said, well, you know, your resume looks good. I said, you know, I've always wanted to be a banker. No, it never crossed my mind, but it was called a J-O-B, a job. And I signed up and actually, this is just a great memory of mine. I went to a payphone after I got this job offer and I called Home Collect, which a lot of people won't even know what that is. And my parents get on the line. And this is how great and funny my father was. And I said, well, I just got a job offer in New York City. Of course, he'd never been out of the state of Texas. And he said, well, 
does this mean you'll stop calling collect? <laughs> so, you know, I think his humor and the way he diffused things has helped me tremendously over 40 years at this firm. He just enjoyed the moment better than anybody I've ever met. And I think that's really been an inspiration to me. Yeah, I think that enjoying the moment is something that is elusive to us in this current day and age. So Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. What's interesting is that two weeks, I was an August grad, so I was a little bit off schedule, if you will. And my boss called me into his office after two weeks, and I was thinking, well, he's figured that out, and I don't really know anything. And he said, well, we're going to do a training program in London. I said, can you go in a week? So I learned how to say yes very early. And I think that's a key for so many women, so many young people. You know, don't overthink it. Don't think, well, I just got into New York, but I sublet my apartment and I went to London. And I was there nine months. I met all kinds of wonderful people that I, you know, worked with and kept in contact with the bank that helped me for years and years and years. I came back to New York, you know, involved in my job, and then they needed someone to go to San Francisco. So in a very short time, I had established, I'm fearless, I'll try it. You bet. Sign me up. Right. I was single at the time. I got married at 30, which back then was like 50. Old maid. They were about to write you off. (laughs) Oh, they were worried in Sherman. They were really worried, but it all worked out. I'm happily married and I have two great daughters. But, you know, when I started out, I had flexibility to say yes. Right. And I think that was a key. That's how I got started. And of course, what's funny is I'm, I'm still here. I just love it. I've always loved it. You can check out any time you like, but you can never leave, right? Yeah, exactly. There you go. You know, when you talk about overthinking things, I mean, it really has become kind of a competitive sport, if you will, these days of kids trying to find out, like, what is it that I really want and finding that meaning? And I think that you're so right is that sometimes you find meaning just by doing and learning new things. And maybe it's not the end all, maybe it is, but you don't know always until, until you jump in and do that. But gosh, yeah. the experiences you get along the way, even from doing something that's maybe not a right fit. You're so right. It's so important not to wait for something perfect because it's hard to find perfect. And man, I can't imagine if I hadn't jumped on that. And everything I said yes to, I've, I've loved. Oh, that's awesome. So every time I've met you or read about you or in an article or heard you speak, you just exude this passion and confidence. And of course, you have that wicked sense of humor that we're getting a little bit of now, but certainly I have heard it firsthand. So, you know, you talk a little bit about getting some of that from your dad and those traits, which quite frankly, don't always seem to fit the profile of a banker. It's not the outward facing profile, but how did that serve you? And especially as a woman sort of moving up the ranks. First of all, being grateful is an attractive quality. I was always, gosh, cheerleader from Sherman, Texas. I mean, I was so grateful that I ended up in New York City and had a job. And so that energy, I think early on, I I always had male bosses. I had no really female mentors for years. Oh, my gosh. But I had the best group of men, I can't even tell you. But there was, they knew they could give me feedback and I would take it like a champ. In fact, I would ask for it. You know, always had a little bit of tough skin, you know, tell me, tell me. I mean, oh my gosh, I have the funniest stories about, you know, naming my outfits. Like I had a pink suit on once and they're like, God, that looks like Pepto-Bismol. That just, you cannot wear that, (laughs) you know. 
I wanted that. I wanted to be good. And I knew that if you allow the team around you, whether your boss, people you work beside, or people who work for you, give you honest feedback, then it will make you better. Oh, gosh, I had the funniest story. I got mugged in New York back in 1979 and while I was at lunch and I was very, you know, junior, young, just started out and I think I had $80 in my purse and they got the money and I came in a little bit late and I was just apologizing profusely. I was like, I am so sorry. And I remember my boss, very New York guy, oh, he taught me a lot. And he called me and said, can I tell you something? This is not a debutante party. You're not a debutante. This is a business. And in New York, people get mugged. Come in here and don't apologize. Get back to work. I look back on that. And I think sometimes women apologize too much. And I learned, I thought, there's nothing to apologize here. I'm a little bit late, got mugged, but all's good. I'll get back to work. Those are the lessons that these wonderful, wonderful men helped me become, you know, a manager, a leader. They let me lead and I wanted to lead. That's awesome that you had so many great role models, even though they weren't female role models. And that's wonderful that you had people that were willing to kind of shepherd you along. You are kind of a self-proclaimed to be a tough critic and demanding of your employees. And, you know, I'm just curious how, you know, throughout the years you've had to temper that or adjust your delivery to be an effective leader with this kind of new generation that skin isn't always so tough. And I would just love for you to just kind of talk about that evolution. And of course, you know, you were sort of brought up by a tough generation of men. So how have you adjusted? That is a great question because I've really been very self-reflective over the past 10 years about, you know, you hear old people saying, I walked to school in the snow. And so I realized I didn't want to be that person. And I want to appreciate this amazing, amazing group of young people that work for us and let them help teach me. And they have different needs. You know, I wasn't sure if there was maternity leave when I got to JP Morgan. You know, my daughter is 33. And so I just kind of went and had her and came right back. Today, we give four months paid maternity leave, and I'm so proud of that. I'm proud of two things, that our corporation has listened and tried to meet the needs of these young people and adjust with it, and I have made myself, because I've caught myself over the years going, well, I didn't have that, or I didn't do that, and that is important. If you're going to stay relevant, and if you're going to stay connected to your people, you have to listen to them, and you have to keep adapting. And also on style, I've really worked on that because no matter the age, some people, you just need to tell them once and it just crushes them that they disappointed you at all. So I have learned to temper my tone and my style so I can connect to the person across from me. And I think that's really important. But on the flip side, I think it's important to be consistent. So people know I will tell you. So they expect it. And then if I don't give them feedback, they're like, give me feedback. People get addicted to it. They want to know how they're doing. So I think it's really important. And I think that's where, honestly, women need to make sure they are open to it. They ask for it. It takes effort and energy for a manager to give you feedback. And it's easier for somebody to just ignore some of the little things or move on. But when you really want to get better and become great, you want those things. And if you encourage it, it helps you know the truth early so you can tweak things maybe you're doing. 
I've always been that way, wanting that feedback. And I would say even more often than not, you're sort of always trying to figure it out and not getting it. Because I do think feedback is sort of one of those critical elements of being a great leader. It really is because it, you know, it's easy not to give it. People just go, whatever. But then they get an impression in their head. And I think that's why it's important to give the impression you want it. So what advice do you give to young women coming up, especially on just how to most effectively manage their careers and then, you know, while still having a family and a personal life? Number one, and I mentioned this, but I do think we've come a long way at this wonderful firm in 40 years. There's more flexibility, obviously technology. My goodness, I didn't have technology. So technology, number one, allows people to be out of the office, be on email. You know, I mean, it's just amazing the freedom that gave people. So there has been a lot of changes. And the advice I give is to women and my young men, you've got to speak up. You've got to have a voice and you've got to tell me what you need. Because so many times I look back over the years and, you know, when we have attrition or we lose people, they weren't working at their life at that moment. They either had children or elderly parents or something and needed some flexibility, but they never talked about it. So I think one, you've got to speak up because firms want to keep you. Having the value of having someone for 40 years that has a wealth of history and knowledge is so important. So, you know, retaining employees and helping men and women get through raising young families and all the things that life brings. That's number one. The second advice I always give them is, I, I noticed this coming out, and this is early on, but young women, they're, oh, they're so incredibly bright and smart, and, you know, all the above. And yet they go a little bit quiet. There's hesitancy in that if I don't know it, I'm afraid to ask the question, it might not be a great question, or I need to know it, research it before I, you know, suggest something. Right. And I think learning how for women to speak up, be at the table, add value, they've been hired because they're smart and we're training them. And I think the more that they can be heard, you know, with ideas and questions, it helps everybody on the team. Absolutely. You know, of course, research out now, something that I personally have known for a really long time, but that, you know, women who have <laughs> a strong group of other women supporting them you know, throughout their careers, arguably more successful than ones who don't. And I know you mm -hmm. said that you had a lot of great men, but you didn't have really those female role models. But I would love for you to just to talk about, you know, now, I mean, do you have, you know, sort of a, a posse, if you will, of other women and other career women, you know, that you either get together yeah. with or you help each other with your careers? And how do you pay it forward to other women? Yes. Now, oh my goodness. We've got a bevy of women. We have women everywhere at J.P. Morgan Chase. Smart, talented, fabulous women. And I mean that. It's really impressive. And so that probably started in 1979, but I guess that started to really change 20 years ago. And so we have a really talented group of senior female leaders, plus a lot of young, talented female leaders. And we've done a lot at the bank, which it's not that we couldn't have done it. We just didn't think of it, you know, but now we have groups. We have a, a large group. I think it, there's something like 40,000 women in it. It's called Women on the Move. 
and we do these different programs in different cities. I went to Seattle not too long ago. They had an all-day offsite for businesswomen in Seattle and the female bankers with speakers. It was so engaging, and Jamie Dimon spoke, and I led a panel. And so we are now reaching out and helping each other. There are more of us, number one. The environment encourages it. You know, the ability to help someone, for instance, get known in the firm that if they're ready for a promotion, for instance, sometimes women get overlooked because they're not well known, you know. And so this network, men have always had a network, and now we have a network. And it's very powerful, I have to say. It's powerful and it's enjoyable, you know. I mean, we really like each other. Years ago, I read, you know, women were horrible to each other in the workforce. I never see that here. I really, honestly, there's a great group of women and we want to help each other. And clearly to pay it back, Melinda, you know, at this point in my career, I love working with clients. Obviously, I've always loved that. But the other most important thing to me is helping pass on what I've learned, my mistakes, what I've done right, wrong, to all these young people. I mean, that to me is so rewarding in my career because it's still hard, you know, even though with technology and flexibility and all this stuff, it's still hard to have a family, be a mother, get to the job, be a A-plus player. It's hard. Yep. And helping each other and helping make that easier and passing on you know, some tips so you don't have to learn it the hard way is huge. Right. That's wonderful. And I think that just on your sort of what queen bee syndrome, you know, where you have women sort of being horrible to each other. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I don't see a lot of that right now, but I think that what you're doing with your women on the move program and really being very purposeful about it is so critical because what's happening is in a lot of companies is that women still aren't building those networks and certainly not as quickly and not because anybody's trying to tear them down, but if women aren't active, if you're not purposeful, how many introductions can I make for this person? And really have that abundance mentality. Like, look, there's enough out there for everybody. So if women don't start building that old girls network, if you will, you know, I think that's important. So it's great that your company has done that and you have so many active participants because, you know, I think that really is the critical factor of sort of building that long-term success and senior leadership. You know, I'm queen of the old girls, so. (laughs) (laughs) There you go. It works (laughs) in a good way, yeah. Um, I think uh, I think that that is so true, and it purposeful is a really important word because we're all trying to hire great talent. You know, everybody. There's a war on talent. Obviously, all my competitors. We all want the same people, et cetera. And I have really tried to be more purposeful about my hires and my senior leader positions, and making sure that I just don't look at the slate that happens to be in front of me, but I really make sure I have a diverse list because if you're not purposeful about it, then it doesn't happen. That's right. It's too easy to go back to the same pipeline, you know, and I think that is really important to change things. Yeah, absolutely. So what's the best piece of advice that you've gotten throughout your careers or something that sticks with you that, you know, you always try to pass along? Uh, Well, besides that Pepto-Bismol suit, which I really thought was gorgeous, I will tell you, I don't know why I remember this in particular, but I'm very much a extrovert. I'm a marketer. I tend to sell because I love this place, et cetera. And yet I actually know my numbers really well, but I had a boss 
tell me once, look, everybody knows your strong suit, that this extrovert marketer, start with the numbers. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that because you have to establish your credibility where, where people think maybe you don't know them or your weak side or whatever, but start with the numbers. And I think in business, it's huge. That has stuck with me forever because, you know, a blonde cheerleader type personality, that they see. So 40 years, you know, I've, I've never forgotten that. It really helped me. Interesting. Well, and I think that you're also known to be quite the fashionista. And certainly when I've seen you, you always look <laughs> fabulous. And I've seen some pictures Thank of you, you and your fabulous embroidered, you know, traditional Mexican garb. And I know you lead out at the rodeo and do all kinds of things. You know, that creative expression, I'm sure has helped you, but probably after you built that credibility, but now it That's really fine. helps you to stand out. I do ride in the Fort Worth Rodeo and the Western outfits, you know, it's so fun because my husband gives them to me mostly and he wouldn't ever buy me a piece of clothing, but just this Western thing he got into. And it's fun because people love to see them. You know, I'm going to have to give them to the Cowgirl Museum when I die, but they're really fun. And I think the clothes thing, it's really interesting. I'd love to ride all this down sometime. But when I started in the 79, we were suits, either, you know, navy, navy or maybe gray and a cotton shirt and a bow tie if we really wanted to show we were professional. Don't forget about the pantyhose. Oh, my God, got to have pantyhose. <laughs> you know, I always have loved clothes. And so I think that I've developed with the times. And I remember coming after New York. And when I came back to Texas, when we bought Texas Commerce Bank, and I had color and all that on, it very much stood out. But then about six months later, I looked around and all the women had on color. So the moral to this story is together, we can change things. Yes. And have a lot of fun doing it. I think that the important thing for me is I always have had a personality where I want people to be able to call me back. You can't be so hard to deal with. You can be tough, but you got to be a little bit fun or people won't call you back and you got to get things done. So I think that has helped with the clothes too, because they see me coming. That's right. <laughs> that, that's awesome. No, that, that's so great. And so any of you listeners out there who are thinking about going into banking, but we're afraid you have to lose your fashion sense, you heard it here. You do not. You can still be a fashionista and a banker. I love it. That's right. Elaine, thank you so much. I really appreciate you sharing with, with us and sharing with us so openly. And of course, all the work you're doing to not only support other women. I mean, I've certainly been witness to it and, you know, heard you speak and, and you've done some, some really wonderful things. And it's very heartening to see somebody giving back so much of their career and so much great advice. So appreciate you being with us. You are the role model, Melinda, and we all appreciate what you're doing. So thank you very much. Oh, well, thank you. I sure appreciate it. I know that everybody here will be watching you and, you know, at the podcast, we'll have some links back to the Women on the Move program because it's pretty cool because not only do y'all have events for the women inside of JP Morgan, but you're also really committed to helping women with financial education and female entrepreneurs. So there's lots out there to check out about your program. I'm always hiring. So just FYI. <laughs> Excellent. You've heard it here. Want a job at JP Morgan? Give Elaine a call and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Melinda. Special thanks again to JP Morgan Chase's Women on the Move program for sponsoring this podcast and showcasing some of their incredible female leaders. 